Welcome to my podcast, Today's Dream, Tomorrow's Reality. My name is Vicki Poole. I'm a life coach, health coach, and hypnotist at The Enlightened Peach. And this podcast is all about embracing our mosaic life. Some of you may ask, what is a mosaic life? Well, it's recognizing that all the pieces of our life, the good, the bad, the indifferent, have all come together to make us who we are. Change any one thing, and we are different. And with that in mind, I invite you to embrace your perceived imperfections and celebrate who you are. And this podcast is unedited and raw, just like life. And I will be your host, and we'll have special guests from time to time. As a matter of fact, I have a wonderful guest for you today. I'll introduce her in just a moment. But if you have any ahas or questions, please leave a comment or a voice message. So now, let's get started. So my guest, I actually met her on a um, in a course that she and I were taking together. And um, so her name is Marigold Era. Is it Era? Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and this is her bio. She says she's a multifaceted being, a creative force, a healing guide, an internal learner, a shadow worker, and an unschooling mother. What else? She's also a freedom fighter and a nature lover. She's a little bit anarchist around the edges. Is that all? No. She's an artist, a writer, and a communicator. She's also an Ayurvedic wellness coach and a spiritual life coach. And mostly, she's in a constant evolution, as so are we. I strongly, she says she strongly believes that we are all spiritual beings having a human experience, that she senses we are here to evolve and that every experience we encounter is an opportunity to grow. And that's why she specializes in helping people bring more awareness into their lives. And she has an amazing story for you today. And in, in her point of view, existing here on earth means being able to keep in touch with our spiritual self and the day-to-day -day mundane stuff. So she's here to help people transform their experiences, small and or big, into learning so that they're growing up instead of growing old. She says there's a shift, shift, not a shift, a shift happening on earth and that she's part of creating this revolution, one spirit experience at a time. So, wow, wow, wow. When you get sent me that bio, I was like, oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had one amazing conversation that was going so well. I, I recorded it and everything. So, um, but let's just kind of start. I know you have um, a story to tell and you were in the foster system and different things. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't in this foster system. I did work. Okay. You system. worked in the foster system. Okay. Yeah, but I wasn't as a child. Okay. All right. Good. Good. So just want to glad I, you corrected me on that. Like I said, this is unedited. So my mistake, <laughs> but um, I know you, you um, said you unschool your children and yeah. um, I thought that was fascinating, but tell us a little bit how you began this journey of enlightenment that you have come to now. Yeah, it started pretty early on for me, like I was in first grade and I was already realizing that uh, 
things weren't right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it felt like the school system wasn't like aligned for me. I didn't feel connected with adults. I didn't feel like I could trust them or like I felt like everything was off and I was very sensitive to that. And so, yeah, pretty, pretty early on, I was already feeling this disconnect with mm-hmm. the reality I was actually brought into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so like at the end of first grade, I got really, really sick and I got hospitalized. And then after that on, it felt like it really felt like I, I didn't know how to connect with the world, you know? Mm-hmm. So when you say you got really sick and were hospitalized, what was that about? Yeah, I was, um, well, since birth, I was always having problem with my ear and I was in the children's hospital all the time when I was like a baby and growing up Mm -hmm. uh, to uh, fix that. (laughs) They never did. They never actually did fix anything. They just like uh, got things worse. And we got Mm. to this point where I, I got really allergic to the medication they were giving me to heal me. Mm-hmm. And, and you it said it just, was your ears, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. And yeah, so it was like all the time. So I lost a lot of hearing. Mm-hmm. And still today, I'm still like, like trying to heal that and trying to regain um, that part. And but my ear are still like pretty sensitive from all the uh, surgery I had when I was like, very young. Mm hmm. And so, um, so yeah, so that, that moment when I got like really allergic and I got like hospitalized for like a couple of weeks or so, um, felt like, like a rebirth or something like a Mm -hmm. reboost, like Mm -hmm. I can actually just like breathe and be more in my own rhythm that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, but yeah, my parents weren't like, uh, aware that. We couldn't, we, we had like choices about like education, you know, like it was like in the eighties and stuff. And so like people didn't know by then, you know? No. And I don't really know that back then there was as opportunities like there are today to do something different. You know, um, it was, you, you send your kids to school every day, uh, or you get in trouble. You know, yes, exactly. <laughs> the truant officer is going to show up at your door, you know, where the hell's your kid? Um, yes. So, yeah. So it was a very different time. But I think I remember that you were saying that when you really noticed the disconnect of the most was when you came back to school after being sick and you had some issues with bullying. Am I remembering correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And my second grade, I remember my second grade, my teacher was so freaking strict all that she was like. She felt like a nun, you know, <laughs> she felt like, like this old lady that was like super bitter about like teaching. And so she was super strict all the time. And I remember going in the corner, you know, like to just like stand there and like wait for her to tell you, okay, you have like, you're, you have done your time or whatever, you know, <laughs> like I, I, I just didn't know how to act in that school system. It felt very foreign for me. And that's when I shut down. And I, I feel like by me shutting down this part, like it can, you can see it through my pictures, my school picture, like kindergarten, I'm like, ding, 
you know, I'm like super light, super like joyful and first grade the same at the like the beginning of the year I was like super pumped about like going to school you know and I was super proud to be there and second grade you see my picture I'm like super stiff and <laughs> like I'm faking my smile get me out of here <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and it just didn't feel right and and like yeah by me shutting down like you know when you attract all kinds of stuff because of your own stuff and so by me shutting down I started to attract all those um those bully well like I I we can like call them bully or whatever but I like I feel very like I own this experience in my life like mm -hmm. this is I brought this by me shutting down, by me dimming my light, by me like being scared all the time, not feeling listened up to, you know, not feeling safe. Mm -hmm. I I just attract all those those people. Oh, yeah. People me. people who have this bullying tendency can kind of you know scope out the crowd. Yep, there's one, and they know which ones they can manipulate, and they can put the fear in them, and they can you know manipulate in all kinds of ways, you know, so it's the, um, uh, it, it's amazing. Cause, you know, I think you and I talked about this, you know, we, we have this vibrational field that goes around us and, you know, and if we're, if we're projecting out that we're strong yeah. and we're, you know, in tune with who we are, you know, the people that are out there wanting to take advantage of us don't really try to penetrate that field. But exactly. if we have that feeling of disconnect and we have that feeling of, being afraid or not being enough and those kinds of things, it's a lot easier for somebody to just get into there. Um, so yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. It took me a while to take responsibility for what happened. I used to be a pretty good victim of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really deep yeah. into victim mode and like, you know, I like just just continue engaging in that circle mm -hmm. all the time and like until like I don't know college I guess yeah I started to feel more myself so what do you what did what happened that you were feeling this victimhood and you were having a lot of experiences that kind of helped you to say yes that's that's who I am um to suddenly being like I'm not that anymore yeah what happened um well actually my mother died and like me and my mother would never had like a really good relationship and I feel like uh by not being uh loved or you know like I it's always felt like I was disappointing or even when she was talking to me she said that even my father was like always like it's hard to love you you're you're difficult you know and so when my mother died I was 17 and I was it felt very freeing for me at that time. Like, like if my, my main bully was actually gone of my life. And I remember my father told me, this is my house. This is my rules. If it's not for you, take the door, go away. And then I just, I was like, fine. And then I went, you know, I just left my house. Mm, that had to be and hard so, at 17. Yes. But it was freeing at the same time, mm -hmm. you know? So I had like this roommate and like we had like all kinds of party and stuff. I mean, we were pretty young <laughs> and I was going to college and I was like studying and 
it felt very freeing and yeah, very liberating for me to to have this experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it took me a while to grieve this woman because I felt so angry at her. I didn't feel sad that she was gone. I felt, yeah, I felt free, but mm-hmm. I still like, I was still holding on to that anger that I had towards her. And so right. that I wasn't all free, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was still like in, in jail, you know, yeah, yeah. energetically because I, I hold on to that anger. Yeah. For- it's like a, um, I can't remember who it is that said it first, or I would, I would, I would say who it was, but I've heard this many, many times that, holding on to anger and resentment is the same as taking poison and expecting the other person to die because it's not most of the time they don't even know that you feel that way, but you're hurting yourself internally and spiritually. Yeah. And in that case, like my mother was literally dead. So she, yeah, she wasn't like, (laughs) she couldn't be like less aware of me being so freaking angry all the time, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so, so yeah, so it just, yeah, if like I had like a lot of healing to do and to release that. And mm-hmm. now I'm, now I'm actually free of that part of my life. Yes. <laughs> but it and I, I remember yeah. you saying something about you got a little wild. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like that anger, like when, when you're that anger, when it's like, when it fuels your life. Yeah. It, it's going to bring you into some dark places yes know? and making some very unhealthy choices <laughs> exactly yes yes but at the same time I felt so restricted all my childhood you know in my teenage uh years and so by me stepping out of the house and like yeah being angry uh, but it felt like I needed to go through those experience, like the drugs and the sex and like the rock and roll, and the traveling and, you know, like all that stuff like that I couldn't like just experience as like I, I not that I wanted to experience drugs or anything, but like to experience stuff that I I was like sovereign of. Yeah. And, and a lot of times when people are suffering with things like that, they're looking for anything outside of themselves to make themselves feel better. So that's why some people will go to food. Some people will go to sex, some will go to drugs. And, you know, so there's a a lot of different areas that people go to and it's just to self-soothe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A part of it was, was definitely that. And a part of it was also, I just wanted to have fun. You yeah, know, because yeah. my my whole life didn't feel fun and it felt like very yeah restrictive all the yeah, time. Finally and got the handcuffs off. You were ready to go. <laughs> yes. It's like someone. Yeah. Someone has been in jail all his life and then you get them out in the wild. They're going to go crazy. And that's kind of what happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. <laughs> so I remember you saying something about you did this amazing road trip. Yeah. Um and so, you know, tell our listeners a little bit about that, because it was kind of, you know, I was a little envious because, you know, just getting in your car and just going and not knowing where you're going or not knowing anybody and having the the strength um, of, of character or person or whatever it is to be able to do that, because I I, I, I can't see me 
ever doing that, you know, in, <laughs> in my life. And so I'm always fascinated with that. So tell us a little bit about that. That's so funny because right now, if you would have just invite me in that kind of trip, I would say no right away. <laughs> like I would never do that right now. It's like, but at that time, um, yeah, at that time, like I wasn't doing drugs anyway and anymore. I wasn't like doing alcohol. I wasn't doing anything. I, I had like a pretty peaceful life at that moment. And I was working in that farm where uh, we, I was like connected with this old guy that owned the farm and it felt like uh, he was my father or something because I, I never really have had a, a really good relationship with my father as well. And so like that, that man felt like home, you know, it, it was like, and so, so was, how, how did you know him? It's just like circumstances, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I was in Montreal and life got really weird at that point like my boyfriend just left me because he was cheating on me and I, I got left in this apartment that I couldn't afford and so my father felt like uh, he needed to save me or something so he brought me back to his home and that's where I met this other man that was like a friend of the family that told me hey this guy needs someone for the summer to help him, him with the the farm and I was like mm -hmm. all right let's do this anything to get out of this house you know and so I started to work there and then I started to live there. He had like an apartment in the, on the top of his house. And so like life got very nice, mm. very quickly, like very in touch with nature suddenly, you know, like, and like getting my hands in the dirt and like yeah. connecting, like when you work in greenhouses and you got like those like hundreds and hundreds of plant and you got to do the same thing for each of them to take care of them. You get like in that meditative state, like it's, it just happens naturally because yeah. you're just doing the same thing. It's hot. You got like all this nature around you and it's just like, it felt like meditation all day, you know? Nice. Well, I know for me, just if I'm feeling stressed, if I can just go outside, put my feet on the ground or hug a yeah. tree or just go for a walk, it kind of helps it to just kind of go away a little bit. So that sounds like it's that, that little pill, so to speak in a massive um, way. So yeah, perfect. Yeah. It was, it was so like, it was like one of the best time of my life. And I, I was like painting a lot and this lady saw my work and she was like, I need to show your work in my gallery. And then I was oh, like, wow. shit, yeah, cool. All right. You know, like <laughs> I got like all these invitations felt like everything felt very nice, very aligned. Um, and at the end of the summer, yeah, I, I just, I just felt that something had to die inside of me. Like after living all this drugs and like the, all that chaos and like, living that moment in that summer of like peace and it felt like part of me just needed to die and I couldn't work there anymore because it was like you know the season it was your old old you energy <laughs> yeah the the whole me needed to die so I could just keep on doing this kind of life that is very peaceful but like I I could I could still touch that anger inside of me like it wasn't gone it was just like distracted or something so yeah, when yeah. the season end and I I couldn't go in the greenhouses anymore and like the nature shifted and so yeah I just took all my money I bought myself a car an old Mazda 
323 <laughs> hatchback <laughs> i just like <laughs> i just like lay those back seats i put some like cushion and like i filled the car with my my most precious stuff and the rest i left behind and i just took off and i was in quebec and so i did a little bit of road tripping in Quebec for like just a couple of weeks and then I decided to cross Canada I didn't have a plan really I was just going with the flow every day and if it felt like I was I needed to be on the road I was on the road and if it didn't feel like it I wasn't like on the road and it felt very like I, I left with like a thousand dollar like I didn't have much really like And I ended up in BC, uh, British Columbia, and I just met that that lady that was uh, operating a restaurant there with a camping in the back, and she offered me to stay there for a while. And so I stayed there, and then winter was coming, and it, it started to get like super cold, and so I was like, "Yeah, that's my cue. <laughs> I'm heading south." <laughs> And moving so with I, the wind exactly and so yeah so what like what that. do you think um you because you worked at the restaurant for a while right yeah. while you were there so what do you think was the one thing that maybe came from that that helped you on this journey because I feel like um there are no accidents so yeah. there's a reason that everybody comes into our lives whether it's to teach us something good or something we need to work on and everything yeah. so so what was it that you learned in that process? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Well, that lady was also from Quebec. Mm -hmm. That was like, and at that time, um, yeah, at that time, my English, like I could understand everything, but I wasn't like very, com as comfortable as I am right now to speak. Mm -hmm. And so like going through uh, like Canada was like, mostly English all all around you know and then mm -hmm. getting to that place that's that last space before I go into the states where like obviously no one can speak French <laughs> right because French is and, your native language right yes French is my native language and so like by being there and working there like I had to, to speak with people mm. and it felt like no one could understand me at the beginning and at the end I was like very like much more comfortable with speaking English and like oh nice and so I I I stayed there for I don't know probably like a couple of months or so and so I was I was working at the restaurant and she was like giving me free uh, lodging and like she was feeding me and and at the same time I was like speaking with clients and So by me doing that, I started to get like very comfortable in English and I had like a couple of jobs over there, like people got to know me and like it was like a super small community over there. And so oh, you want to come and work with me for a couple of days and so you can make more money. Everybody knew that I was like traveling and so that I needed to pile more money because I was I left with barely like nothing. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so so people were just very friendly and like taking me in giving oh, me jobs right. and so that so, gave, gave you a kind of a um a spiritual boost in exactly. some ways right yes yeah. yes a spiritual agreement that I was on the right right track kind yeah of. <laughs> yeah yeah 
<laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, so then I just flew south. <laughs> well, I didn't flew because I was in my car, but I... <laughs> well, you could have flown because I've yeah, never been in a car and I've flown. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and it was my first time on the West Coast and it was magnificent. The The energy over there was so nice. I, I'm, I was on the East Coast all my life, so like the sea was very different people were very different like I, I remember like falling in love with Oregon it was like so beautiful over there and when I got like uh in California like the north of California it was stunning it was so beautiful and and then I got to the south and it felt very foreign very very like like the desert and like people like the gangster and like and and somehow over there everybody was living in their car and so I was traveling mm -hmm. but homeless people were living in their car but like from where I'm from people that are homeless doesn't own a car but like in <laughs> well you know there are people um I'll just share this real quick I have a Prius um, and there's some groups on Facebook that are Prius owners. And there's actually a Prius uh, camping group where people that live in their cars um, um, because the Prius is a little bit different from your Mazda that you had. You know, you can have it cranked up and it'll shut down and just use the battery. So you can actually have the air conditioner going all night long. You can be comfortable, you know, and it, it'll just shut on when it needs needs to and everything. So, um, but there are a lot of people that choose to yeah. travel living in their cars. So it's, it's amazing. I don't think it would be exceptionally comfortable in my opinion, but you know, a lot of people do it. So that's, that's pretty fascinating. So where did you say you were then? Um, I was in the, um, the Coachella Valley. Okay. Like in the very in the south of California. And I did go like in Arizona and like Utah and Nevada. I, I did all those things, but I ended up very much more in in that Coachella Valley in the south of California. Mm -hmm. Homeless people were actually living in their car and like so I I <laughs> my vibe was very different over there because like like policemen they were like arresting me thinking that I was like trying to you know like sell drugs or something you know like I was like I was very in tune with nature and I was like gathering plants from nature and like I remember that one time they just like the police just like ripped my car away like they just take everything wow of my car and they found those plants that I actually gathered from like everywhere I was going and they thought that was weed and I was like dude that's not weed don't even try to smoke that okay <laughs> and but they were like like the police over there were not like what I'm used to and they were they were not joking well and, evidently like, you weren't what they were used to either <laughs> exactly so I was like but I got like this shock of like everywhere I was stopping for gas people were living in their car and like panhandling and like, and I, I wasn't doing that, but as, as much as I wasn't doing that, they were doing that. And like, people were used to that culture of like mm -hmm. the people that are living in their car are like drugs addict, drug addict, or, you know, and all kinds yeah. of stuff like that. But I wasn't, and it felt very weird. And I ended up in this refugee Christian 
camp. I don't, I'm not quite sure what it was, but like, they were like welcoming people that were homeless for the night and they were feeding them and they were speaking about Jesus and they wanted me to stay there. And I, I, I just didn't know what to do. I was stuck there for like a week or so. I, I, I didn't have any money left. I didn't have a visa. I was like, I felt screwed. I felt like, shit, this thing, like, just bite me. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. just like, just got bitten really hard by life. And I, I don't have any money left. I'm just stuck there. People are weird here. Like, I can hear gunshots every day every night and like I felt very unsafe and then this man came to this refuge refuge I don't know how this this church it wasn't really a church I'm, I'm not quite sure what it was and started to talk to me and he was way older than I was and I was like I, I something inside of me felt very safe with him and he asked me if I could like if I wanted to go with him to do like to get his car and like and and I was like okay and I just I just I just tuned into my intuition and I went with this guy that was just getting out of jail and I I don't like telling this story right now is so freaking weird because I would never do something like that right now right, right. but mm -hmm. my intuition was very on point and from everyone that I was seeing, this guy felt very safe. And every time he was speaking to me, it was like super, like, I just felt safe. Like he was like, he was native and he knew the land and he brought me into the desert. That is it desert? Yeah, it's desert, right? It's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he brought me into the desert and he knew all those space. And, and so for six months, we lived together in the desert and he didn't have a home and he was living in this car and he was a drug addict, but he wasn't using while he was with me because I was very against it. And so we started to team up, you know, we started to, and he, he felt very safe, very sweet. And he was bringing me coffee in the morning, telling me, hello, sunshine and all kinds of stuff like that. It was very sweet beside, like, even though he was like also homeless and older and <laughs> mm -hmm. former drug addict and and so he started to work at this taxi company and we bought like a motorhome where we 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 just like started to move our stuff in there and we we lived together for six months and at one point I got pregnant and that's that's how that's how it happened <laughs> and so and, where did your car go did you pull your car behind the camper what did you do um well actually the place where uh we, we well we were working together at this taxi place and they had like a very big parking lot so my car was in there and the motorhome was in there as well and so we were like living where we were working oh, so, okay. so right, it was cool. like it was yeah it was a cool arrangement and and so yeah so so I got pregnant and my intuition like when I don't know, probably my intuition was always very strong, but like being in a traveling uh, state like that, your intuition just kicks in very yeah. strongly, you it know, almost because, have to, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like a survival mode kind of situation. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I felt very connected. Like I felt like I was so like protected by spirit, by energy. I don't know, by something that was like around me. And when I got pregnant, I knew that I needed to have this, this kid, even though I was like, a uh, former chaotic person. And even though this man I was with was also super chaotic and like way older, it was older than my father, my own father. So um, he was coming out of jail so he couldn't be crossing the line in Canada. And I knew I couldn't give birth in the States because I wasn't, I was a citizen and I didn't have the money to just give birth in, in the States because it's so expensive over there, but in Canada, it's free. Um, so I decided to go back to Canada and then I go, I went back to um, this restaurant that I was, I was working at. Mm -hmm. And I remember calling my family <laughs> to tell them like I'm pregnant and everybody was like, you're going to get a, an abortion. You, you need to get rid of this baby. You're going to screw up your life, their life. Like it's bad news. It's not like everybody was freaking out. And I was just smiling and just like, you know, I know deeply, so deeply that I know that I have to have this baby. I have to give birth to this baby. And it was so strong. And it was like, so peaceful inside of me even though like even this even though the setting of like the whole thing was like a bit chaotic and crazy it felt so right to have this kid and so so yeah so that's how I I ended up being a mother and I get I, I came back to Quebec I came back to this place where I was living with the farmer and mm -hmm. I gave birth over there uh, well, in the hospital, but like I was living there and it was, it was such a great experience. It was the, the most empowering experience of my life. And you said you did natural birth, right? Yes. hundred yeah. percent natural. When I got in Quebec, I couldn't get like a midwife because I was too late in the process and like no one was available. And so I just, just said, fuck it. I don't need a midwife I'm just gonna do this on my own whatever it needs whatever I need to do it's gonna just show up you know and so so I surrounded myself with my two best friends and the mother of one of my best friends that felt like my mother as well so um, they were all there for the birth and it was it was just magical to be there and to say no to the nurses that wanted to plug me with all those things. On I was like, no, I need to be free. This is this is such a big event. Like I'm not gonna be like plugged into whatever you want to give me. I'm like, screw that, you know. Yeah. And I, I just felt so strong, and I I was like, I wasn't taking any shit, and I was like, I know. I know what I know. I know how this is going to go. And this is just how it's going to go. You know, right. <laughs> well, you were in the hospital. So if something had happened, you know, you would be able yes. to take care of it. Right. Yes. Um, but the thing that is amazing to me about birth and I've had two children and my first one was an emergency C-section and it was, you know, really 
you know, but I was going through a lot of stress at the time too. So I'm sure that was the main culprit of that. Um, my second one was just, you know, uh, here we go. Um, but when you think back years ago, women used to have their babies sometimes while they were in the field working to pop, there it goes. And then yes. they keep on working, you know, <laughs> and it's like, and I know that's not what we want to get back to, but, uh, cause I certainly wouldn't want to be out in the field having my baby, <laughs> but, but it's kind of interesting how as Western medicine has become more and more popular, how much it has come in and dictated exactly the experience that you're supposed to have. And they even, you know, you can see commercials on TV, you know, everything is geared to making it this medical experience. And um, so, you know, it's pretty cool that you were able to feel into yourself and say, Hey, this is, I want to do this my way. And you were able to do that. So uh, that's, that's, I applaud that. That's really cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was very empowering to be there and to, well, it wasn't my first screw you the system. Like it wasn't my first one, but this one felt very much more like- Most empowering one. Yes, yes. (laughs) And it wasn't your last one either. No, Let's just go ahead and say that. It wasn't. (laughs) And so, yeah, so it was like- such a great great experience and like coming back home with my baby and like I I think I told you like I I didn't have any books like it was all from intuition and Mm -hmm. um my intuition was like well you just spent nine months with that being so why would you not sleep with this little baby that needs you to be like to, to be so close with you and to have your warmth because um I gave birth in November so it was cold I was in Canada like it's cold you know and so so it felt very natural to just sleep with my baby and to carry her all all around I was like wearing my baby <laughs> mm-hmm. and I think if I remember right you were even saying that you were doing everything all natural you yes. know with uh, not being concerned with diapers and yes. that you were so in tuned with her that yes. you knew exactly when she needed to be cared for in that way correct yes exactly when I was in the home when when I was home uh she was never wearing diapers and but my grandmother actually made me some diaper like in the whole days <laughs> she's mm-hmm. like uh so she made that for my daughter and me um so I was like cleaning her diaper and stuff and when we were going out I would just put one like to make sure but mm-hmm. most of the time I was still able to just like put her in the like over the toilet or I I like I knew when she needed to feed I like my body was like telling me all that stuff that like I was like so committed to being a mother and so like she never cried for anything as a baby because I I knew when she was hungry I knew when she wouldn't want to be like in in my arms or when she needed to be like on the ground exploring stuff or when she needed to eat something like I felt it in my body super deeply and so so it was like a super simple loving awesome relationship 
like between a mother and a daughter. And it was very healing for me as well, because my relationship with my parents were so messed up. So to have this felt almost like a redemption, like I mm -hmm. didn't go through that experience like that, but like looking back felt like it felt like, yeah, it feels like it, it was very healing for the daughter in me <laughs> right like right. that time where I was a daughter and I wasn't like being listened to and I wasn't like being cared for in a mm -hmm. way that felt aligned for me yeah it's and, kind of like that pendulum swing too because you yes. know there's the po polarity and so you had this experience over here and so you let the pendulum swing all the way over here so you could have the exact opposite experience yeah. with your daughter. So exactly. that that's, that's, you know, really cool. And that's um, a great example of how, you know, you don't have to keep creating the same thing that happened to you, because that's what a lot of people do is they yeah. do what they experienced, even though they were miserable is what they know. Yeah. Um, and so it's um, your intuition really is on point with guiding you to make the changes to where everything goes totally opposite of what you experienced. Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It was, it was such a cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was I bet, awesome. I bet you, you guys have an amazing, amazing bond, right? Yes. Yeah, still today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, how old did you say she is now? 11? 11. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. She's 11. Yeah. So, and you've got a couple of other children now, right? Yes. Yes. Well, I got married down the road and my husband had like an, a daughter, which is very funny because they're like nine months apart. Mm -hmm. Like when I gave birth, her mother got pregnant, like uh, basically like yeah. super like in tune like that so they're almost twins they're the same height you know <laughs> <laughs> do people ask really if they're look... twins well no what the funny thing is my daughter looks like my husband and her his daughter looks like me <laughs> and so it's very funny because like we used to go like to the restaurant and they they were like well they're twins and or <laughs> this one looks like you and this one looks like him. And it was like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> oh. So, so yeah, so I have a step stepdaughter. And then like later on, I got pregnant again. And I gave birth to this little girl that is now six. Mm -hmm. And that, that experience was a whole other uh, spectrum of giving birth it was like the, the exact opposite of what happened with my first one and so I was like supposed to give birth at home with midwives and I was like living in the forest and like it was like all kinds of beautiful I was with this man I was in single mother you know like it was like the, the exact opposite and I ended up having a c-section in emergency gassed up and uh, very traumatic birth and I didn't connect like as much with my second child and it felt like just like a funny uh, spiritual like gift you know you had like this perfect 
experience. Yeah. You're such a badass mother. Look at look at what happened. Like look look at what happened for you, you know. And then this other thing happened, and it's like shit. I'm such a bad mother, and I can't connect with my kids. Well, you know, it's getting back to that pendulum swing. You can't keep that <laughs> pendulum over here. It's got to <laughs> right? start moving. So um, it would be almost impossible to recreate that massive of yeah. an experience because the pendulum's got to move a little bit, but exactly. um, it ended up amazing how we can do something and it's not of our own choosing or anything like that. Like you having to have a C-section, but then you start feeling like comparatively you're a bad mother, you sure. know? Um, and it, you know, it's mind boggling to me how much we take responsibility for things like that. And, you know, with our children as they're growing up and if they do something wrong, it feels like we've done something, you know, and, yeah. um, and it makes me, it comes to mind. There's a, there's a movie I saw many years ago and it's with Steve Martin. It's called parenthood. Um, yeah. did I, did I share that with you? No, I, I don't I remember, but anyway, the, in the <laughs> movie, the, why it comes to mind is because for those of you who do not know this movie, um, Steve Martin has a son and the son's wanting to play baseball. And so he wants to be his son's coach. So he envisions his sons out there playing ball and he's such a good coach that the ball's coming at him. He's in the outfield. He puts his glove up and he catches the ball and everybody applauds and he he's graduating from college and he's saying thank you dad you're the reason that i've become who i am and all and then he also has a vision because the, he hasn't really caught the ball yet he has a vision of him missing the ball and when he misses the ball he rec he sees him you know in the future standing on the top of his college dorm with a machine gun machine gun you know people <laughs> plowing people down and it was like when I saw that it was like that is how we as parents feel a lot of times like whatever we do we're either making them amazing or we're making them horrible you know <laughs> uh, um and, and, and it's and it's funny when you think about it but that's what we do as parents don't you agree? yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> most, yeah, yeah, most definitely. And and the second one, yeah, that that's what I felt. Like I felt so powerful, like as a mother, and everybody around me was like, give, like cheering me on, and like telling me like how good of a mother, and like coming to ad to have advice from me, and like I was like, shit, man, I'm such a good mother, you know? Like the ego is like super huge. And then this lady, this little girl came to my life and my ego was like, yep, here you go. <laughs> and it was very humbling, very humbling. And, and, but like right now, like this child is like my heart and, and soul. Like I love her to death. You know, yeah. I'm always like, I'm so lovey-dovey with her and it's, it's awesome. But at the beginning, she was like, she was kind of a pain in my ass. Well, you, you know? have to have one that gets you on your toes. Exactly. I will say. There's one of them. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and and I'll have to share, you know, I've got two children. My son is nine years older than my daughter. And I say he's the one that I had the C-section with, you know, it was a very traumatic birth, you know, and all these different things. Well, he was a challenge from the day he was born a challenge in so many ways. And, um, and so it's, it's, it's funny to me that, you know, as 
I went through the process of of raising him and everything. There was so many things. I just didn't know what the what the hell to do most of the time, you know, and um, because I didn't have the same kind of feelings and all that he did. And so it was, you know, it, and I remember telling him one time, you know, that um, I said, you know, I just I, I just don't know what to do at this point, you know, help me out because I, I don't know how to handle this. And when I was um, pregnant with my daughter, when my pain started and everything, I looked at my husband and I said, oh, my God, he said, what? And I said, what if we have this one and we find out Nicholas was the good one? <laughs> you know, all of a sudden I had this horrible fear, you know, because I'm telling you, it was a major challenge, you know, his whole life um, of how to how to deal with him and, you know, and everything. And so it was like, I, all of a sudden I had this fear, you know, um, and my husband said, well, uh, there's nothing we can do about it now. It's got to come out. So. <laughs> but um, very different children, the birth. And so I, I sometimes feel like the anxiety and the problems that kids have in the beginning, especially a lot of times, I think it comes from that traumatic birth. Yes. Yes. I've seen, I've seen the difference between, and my stepdaughter is also a C-section child mm -hmm. and her self-confidence is like super low. And she has like trouble owning who she was, who she is. And like, as a mother, like with my first child, I was very like, um, what's the word? I was, I was almost like not, I wasn't careless at all, but I felt so in tune with her that I, I wasn't in fear all the time. Like most parents are like, don't climb there, don't go there. You know, like they want to protect their children. But for me, since I was so deeply connected with her, it didn't feel like I needed to you know micromanage everything mm -hmm. but with my second one I'm I'm suddenly like super scared of everything like she's going yeah. to the pool every week with her father and I'm not going because she's so she's very <laughs> wild and I'm so scared that I don't want to go because I don't want to <laughs> step her boundaries and like give her that fear because I know that her father will just take and throw her but she's only six and I'm like she's only six you know but she's like she's such like she's such a physical person and so she's always like doing anything like climbing on stuff and like jumping and like rolling like she's got like all those roller like she's got like this this skater that she will roll through the house you know and she's, she's mm -hmm. always like super extreme with her body and and I've seen myself being like you know like <laughs> super scared and like trying yeah. to go over there are you are you sure are you okay you know and and like yeah it's it's not the way that I was. I don't know myself like that as a mother with my first child. I was like, mm -hmm. ah, that's cool. She's okay, you know? Yeah, and you're a little bit older too. So that could be part of it too. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, but, but the, the, the thing that I think is really cool is, and I had never heard this term before talking to you about doing the unschool. Yeah. Um, so maybe share a little bit about that because yeah. you had that in your bio. Share a little bit about what that is because that was fascinating to me. Yes, so um, throughout my life, I wasn't really into anything system institutional, like it, it never felt very aligned for me. 
And so after giving birth to this first child, I was like, oh, you know, super <laughs> awesome. And the heavens open. <laughs> yes. And I just I just wanted to still be in touch with her. But like at that point, I got sucked into uh, the pressure and like doing money. And so I, I got back to university. And while I was back in university, I had to put her through kindergarten. And it felt very like school for me to have them like sitting in silence together, eating at the same time, uh, doing the same drawing, the same activity. And like it, it felt very like structured, like school, like they were preparing her for school and she got really sick. She was sick all the time. Mm -hmm. And for me, like from what I understand of life, what you cannot say with your word, you say it with your body. And so I was very much in tune into like that kind of uh, nonverbal communication with my kid. And so every time she was sick, I was like, shoot. And I was like analyzing and what's going on. And, and she wasn't speaking like she got uh, her speaking skills got like late in the game. Like she was like four I guess because she, she didn't have to speak with me because I understood her. So, mm -hmm. so, um, so she wasn't really speaking. So when she wasn't with me, like I couldn't get the, the gist of what's happening for her really, but her body was telling me that she didn't like it. Right. She mm -hmm. was always sick, always like throwing up and like all kinds of like cold and like, you know, fever and stuff and and so it just felt like it was very misaligned and so I, I decided to just take her out of the kindergarten and I stopped going to the university and I made a deal with my now husband that he was gonna just work and provide for us for a little while until the moment where I can um, I don't know something would came up you know mm -hmm. and so I was I was a so that's when I, I got in touch with unschooling and I started to follow those uh, wonderful women that are like taking care of their children since birth and throughout school years. And I was like, oh, well, that sounds nice. Like it, it feels very natural, like people uh, like families stay together and like children's are going to learn what they need to learn throughout the process and mm -hmm. um as parents we are like the the guide the the facilitate the, the facilitator facilitators facilitate yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> what she said well that thing <laughs> yes um but real quick i just want to touch on when you were talking about it with me when we were talking the other day is in my mind, I was going to, that's homeschooling, but that is nothing like homeschooling. No. Um, so yes. maybe just share that because other people may feel like I did. It was like, okay, yes. unschooling, homeschooling, same thing. Um, yeah, it's not. <laughs> so just kind of explain a little bit about yes. what that is. The homeschooling, uh, it's, it's like you're schooling at home. So you're doing the curriculum, the you know, the books and the schedule. Like, the schedule, like, and, and it's, it's basically school, but at home. And so you can 
be more like um, self-paced, you know, like with, with children one-on-ones. Sometimes the one-on-one, it's very helping for some children to get to, um, to get them to learn the stuff they're learning in school. And so uh, that can be helpful for that kind of people. But for me, doing that was like literally being hell on earth because I didn't want to be my kid's teacher. Like I'm not a teacher. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. Uh, I like to... I like to experiment stuff. I like to show stuff. I like to be there for her and like put stuff together to help her learn what she needs to learn. But I'm not, I'm not a teacher. I couldn't be a teacher and a parent. That's not me, you know, Mm -hmm. and kudos to those mothers that are doing that because that's something else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, I actually tried it a little bit because, um, being in Quebec, we needed to, because the government was like putting their nose into our business. And so we needed to follow the curriculum, but it screwed up our relationship because like, yeah, because you had to be kind of more heavy handed. Well, this has to be done kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And like when your kids in school and the teacher is doing that, well, they have the safe place where they come back home and they can speak to that. You know, they can speak about it with their parents that are their their safe place. But like right. if I'm the teacher and I'm putting pressure, like who's my who is she gonna turn to? You know? Yeah. yeah. Like I, I'm the only one there, you know. And so we talked about it so many times, and she was like so frustrated and she was like, I hate that. I hate it. And she even got to the point where she hated to read and she never wanted to open a book and like she was very like much in reaction she actually reads right now but she will never open a book she will read stuff uh, online she will read like all kinds of stuff but she will never open a book because she got like traumatized by me (laughs) putting pressure on her because Mm -hmm. the government was pushing pressure on me and saying that if I don't do that uh, they're going to take my children, you know, that it was crazy. So that's yeah. why we actually moved from there to be uh, in a new province where we actually are free. And so it's it's very much like, so in unschooling, there's no curriculum. The curriculum is the kids that is making it for himself, you know, as it goes through life. Mm-hmm. So my my daughter was like very much into horseback riding and so she started to read um she started to learn to read because she loved that and she was like taking courses and classes so she had to identify parts of the horse so she had to read those parts and and yeah so for like four years she was doing that pretty much every day she was going back uh, she was going to the stable and uh, learning how to ride animals and stuff. And that was very cool. And so as an unschooling parent, my role was to find her the best stable, the best teacher, um, to support her, to give her lift, to, you know, to facilitate uh, her learning with uh, the 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 horse and stuff. I I never was in touch with with horses before, and I learned so much stuff with uh, about that uh, throughout those four years. You know, it was 
fascinating, you know? Yeah. So cool. And I remember you saying something about she gets interested in learning a language and she just starts learning it. Yeah. So uh, she, when she was like six, she showed interest in learning English. So I found um, it was kind of a group of um, homeschooling people that were also trying to learn English. And so like they were going there for the whole day, once a week to learn English together. And so I, I, she was going to that, but that wasn't enough. And so she started to by herself, like uh, try to understand lyrics from songs. And she started to watch movies in English. And then she started to play Minecraft. And then she asked me to go online to uh, make an ad to find her uh, friends that are speaking English so she can learn to speak uh, English with them and play with them in English. And so she did that. And so for a couple of years now, she, she's been like learning English and she's pretty much bilingual. And mm-hmm. then she fell in love with anime and now she's learning Japanese. Yeah. And so, and that's, uh, that's my role to help her uh, in that process. So she's not just learning Japanese, she's learning all kinds of stuff about the Japanese culture. And she now wants to go over there and she's trying to, you know, organize a trip and like budgeting, like how much it's going to cost and what would she need? And, you know, like she's doing her own research regarding to that. And like her, all of her YouTubers are from Japan and, or like American Japanese people. So they're all like speaking about the culture. And so she's learning a lot um, about about that. Like in unschooling, they call it uh, the YouTube university. <laughs> <laughs> people are like the kids, they're, they're just like very um, into YouTube and they learn so much. Mm-hmm. And as parents, it's, it's our role to... Uh, support that and to be that um, to just be sure that the info they're getting is real so to help them double check you Mm -hmm. know to help them do do the fact check to make sure that they're not listening to somebody who's spouting a lot of things that aren't true exactly that's good yeah I remember when I was in Quebec the, the the critique that I was giving uh, out from the government it's like my children were doing stuff from uh, high school and they weren't supposed to they were supposed to be like doing stuff from elementary school and so they were too advanced and and so I, I don't know why that is a problem but <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is like my my oldest daughter she already like started five businesses she's like you know she she's she's doing stuff every day Mm -hmm. to build herself up and she knows exactly who she is she knows how to put boundaries she knows what she wants she knows how to say what she wants and that's very powerful yeah and sometimes it's even like a little freaky as parents you know like your your kid's gonna say they're gonna tell you like they're not they're not gonna all Oh, back anything they're gonna yeah. say like no that's there's not- none of that do as I say not as I as exactly. I do kind of thing yeah. right yeah, yeah yeah it's it's more of a teamwork you know like we're we're it's kind of we're living in community like mm-hmm. but we're still parents I mean <laughs> yeah. yeah they're not parents they're not like 
right. we're not in charge of our lives and right. and we're still like cooking and <laughs> yeah yeah well I think we we had talked about one of my favorite books that I recommend to anybody that are talking about their children and stuff is the creating innovators and yes. I don't even remember the author's name do you remember it um I'm not sure I can check it out yeah um because anybody um that wants to have children that can think for themselves and because the school system back because I, I I just watched a, a YouTube um just not too long ago about how our public school system was created and um what it's all about and it's really just to create people that are happy with being employees um and it's not helping it's not giving them um, innovation to be creative. Um, and if you look at a lot of people that have become amazing, creative, creative people in their lives, like Steve jobs and things like that, where yes. they think so far out of the box, they actually, um, and I don't have all my facts, so I don't know, but, um, from what I understand, most of them, um, didn't graduate from college or didn't exactly. even go to college and yes. those kinds of things. So it's almost like that they were able to, think outside the box because they didn't stay in the box too long. I don't exactly. know. Yes. Um, but it's, it's pretty neat. So did you find the author? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't have my phone in here with me because it seems like, um, if I do one of these and I've got my phone, something ends up alerting me or my phone, <laughs> my watch will start talking to me, answering a question I've asked or something. So I leave them in the other room. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> so I can't look, but the name of the book is creating innovators. Uh, if you put it into Google and just put that, it'll, it'll show you who the, who the author is, but it's, it's a, an amazing, amazing book. Um, so let's see, I remember from your bio, you, you also do the Ayurveda, which I'm always fascinated with that. Um, I was, I had some, a guest on the other day and she, um, is a, um, um, I don't know if she's an Ayurvedic coach, but anyway, I was telling her I'm, I've done some testing and everything. And supposedly I'm a tridosha and, um, that kind of gets a little confusing with me when you are <laughs> trying to feel, you know, let me get more balanced. And it's like, but if I was a cop, I'd know exactly what to do in this situation. But <laughs> so, um, it's, it's amazing, amazing stuff. So do you coach on Ayurveda now? Yes, you do. Yes. I love you it. Speak and on that just a minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the the Ayurvedic practice for me, it's been very, it's such a blessing. And the school that I went to, the Shakti school, was very much in tune with the feminine form of Ayurveda. So it was, um, there was a lot about like the subtle Ayurveda. And so like the energy and how like um, everything is, um, ev everything is, uh, how to say that it's like everything is building you and <laughs> destroying you like mm -hmm. it's not the just one thing that's what I right. love about Ayurveda it's like there's a yin and yang on everything yes and so you say you're tridoshic well we're all tridoshic like okay. everybody like no one has no bone you know no one has no brain no one has no blood you know it's just like everybody's got those three dosha and like what i like about that it's like the doshas are actually are imbalances and so um when you know how to rebalance yourself it's just it's 
you, you become sovereign of your own health and for me like the health system in in the western world it's just not working you know like when if i broke my bone yes i'm gonna go to that system and i will be super glad that it exists you know mm -hmm. but if i have like a cancer and god bless i don't and if knock i had like <laughs> knock on wood <laughs> but uh if i'm like having imbalances in in my digestive system that ends up in ulcers and and stuff like that I'm, i don't want to go there because i know they're gonna screw up the rest of my health and right, so right. but yeah because uh, i even had somebody i was talking to the other day that um they had gone to the doctor and the doctor prescribed this one thing and so as they were using this thing in their body that was supposed to take care of the problem it started creating another thing yeah. so they go back to the doctor and they said well now you have to take this to counteract this thing that's going on and it was becoming like this domino effect of all these medicines they were taking and it was like it, everything was creating something else in their body and it makes you think too when you when you see the the drug commercials on TV and they got all these people and they're so happy and everything's great. They're playing tennis and stuff. And then it's telling you, and then the side effects could be death. And it's yeah. like, well, <laughs> how important is that eczema to be gone? Um, and you're dead, you know? Um, so it, it's really, it's, you know, blows my mind yes. sometimes. Um, and I almost feel like in my opinion and, you know, it's just my opinion. So don't anybody, you, well, you can say any something if you want to, if you have an opinion about it too. But um, I feel like years ago, they took cigarettes commercials off the TV because it was detrimental to your health. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it is totally wrong to have all of these medical uh, prescriptions advertised on TV because now people think that they can be their own advocate and they can go to the doctor and say, Hey, I saw a commercial about this one. I think I want to use this one. Mm. Well, you know, who's the doctor here anyway, you know, and you know, if they're spending all this money on these commercials, you know, somebody's kicking something back and, you know, yeah. and, you know, so it just feels like if they took the cigarettes off to help people let's face it people still smoke but um i think that they should not be able to have the drug commercials on there either yeah exactly yeah yeah it's it's not like that in canada but i have heard oh okay uh, it's not uh no oh. no no because uh since our system is like public like it's they, they are they are not allowed to sell stuff like that on tv but since your system is different i've heard about that and yeah. i think it's I think, i think it's crazy i think i think it's crazy yeah you, you know, need to it's... you need to google some different um um commercials on youtube yeah and you'll be shocked at the things that they say you know at the, at the end of it you know could you know it's it's probably something for your stomach to make you feel better and it could cause <laughs> severe diarrhea you know um <laughs> nausea death you know and all these things it's like oh my gosh you know <laughs> that is so crazy yeah 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 but yeah so, so I, back I to never... your ayurveda sorry well, i didn't mean to get no, on but my that's soapbox cool. there i mean that's awesome <laughs> um but yeah i felt I felt like I needed to be more sovereign in that. And since a long time, since in my 20s, and I'm like now in my almost 40s, but it's been like almost 20 years that um, I've been very much interested in the 
the effect that the mind has over the body. And so when we go through stress or, you know, trauma or whatever, it shows up in the bodies. Uh, and the the link between those two is very interesting to me. And mm -hmm. so I was always like very much aware of what's going on in me. And I think like seeing my mother passed away from cancer too, like it's it's not it's not awesome. It's no, it's, it's awful not a pretty thing. Mm -mm. It's it's not beautiful at all. It's like yeah. to see people going through that. It's like yeah, maybe I'm gonna take another road. You know, it mm -hmm. doesn't feel really cool to go through that. And yeah. being a being the woman that she was, like very much. Um, closed up and never talking about who she was and like going through all those traumas without even speaking to it to no one and yeah, yeah. and of course she ended up having a cancer that yeah it's got to come out somewhere exactly yeah, yeah yeah and so yeah so ayurveda was like uh, another way for me to be more sovereign and to because it's such a systemic approach you know like when when that's that's what touches me you know like mm -hmm. when you're in this let's say vata imbalance well it might be because you're eating too much airy stuff like chips and popcorns and stuff like that or it could just be because you're always thinking and like spinning and like just doing too much screen time and then it can actually create an imbalance in your system in your digestive system and so it's like that's why it's so interesting to me like to see mm -hmm. to meet up with people and to, to let them know how this whole thing that you're creating every day has effects on your health right, so that, right that's what I love about it yeah and I'm even one of those people that um I, I, well, you know, I work with a lot, I, I work with some people that are trying to reduce their weight. So they're trying, um, mm -hmm. and one of the things that I'll tell them too, is that, you know, it's almost impossible for somebody that has been binging on chips and dips and all these things to suddenly say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, so I work with hypnosis and everything too. But the thing that I'll tell them is instead of counting calories, start counting chemicals. If, if you look at a bag of chips and it has chips, it has potatoes and salt, go ahead and eat those chips. Yes. But if it's got this lengthy <laughs> list of all the chemicals that you cannot pronounce or anything like that, then stay away. So <laughs> you can still indulge in some of those things that may still not be that healthy um, when you're trying to reduce, reduce weight, you know, yes. um, but it's actually a healthier option. And so it's starting sometimes with those baby steps. Yes. And the, one of the things that I love about Ayurveda is that, you know, it actually, um, of course, I'm not an, a protect practitioner like you are, but when I started looking at Ayurveda, because I have like cookbooks and I have books and stuff, and I love studying all this stuff, but it was like, you, you take this test and it can actually tell from the, your, your disposition of your body and different things where you fall in the spectrum. And then it actually gives you great insights to say, if this is what you're really experiencing, then, you know, if you will do this it will, it'll help you not to be experiencing it. And, you know, yes. and with supplements and more of a, the, the, the plants and learning how to eat differently. And, you know, yes. so it's such an amazing 
um, practice to get involved with. And I wish I could say that I use that all the time. I do not. Um, but I, I even became vegan for quite a while and I'm now a reformed vegan, I guess you'd say, um, because now I'm eating a little bit of chicken and just a tiny bit of fish, but I still feel more comfortable with the vegetables and everything. Mm -hmm. And so once we're all done with this, I'll have to pick your brain a little bit and find out if, um, if I'm, um, just, where it is I'm supposed to fall in that. So, yeah, but we'll get into that later. Yes. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. Um, But one of the things that um, I I feel is amazing is that um, when you can put your, your mind, your body, your spirit and everything working together, then you're healthy. It's when things are like, it's like having a tire that one side's flat. You can keep driving on it, but pretty soon you're going to have to replace the rim and everything. So yeah. if we're not taking care of our health today, then at some point we're going to be having to take care of our sickness. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's the thing. Since it's all related, you know, sometimes when we want to get back in health, States, we want to go like we're trying to be like exercising and eating more good stuff you know but I had one of my clients that was having problems with her her period for as long as she could remember but as much as I would love to just tell her you know do this and do that and you're going to be healed uh, the thing is we started to speak and then suddenly she opens up about like her first experience as a woman as like a lover as a sexual being you know and it was so traumatic and so painful that we needed to heal that Mm. for her to get back in touch with her own femininity you know and be like very um in tune with her body that she was like that was like very dirty you know in a way yeah. you know because her, her first her experience was such traumatic you know and so so by healing that with mm-hmm. ayurvedic practices that are like coming into like more of a realm of spirituality and like taking time to be your feminine side and taking time to observe your body and learn your body instead of eat that and do that and you mm-hmm. know it yeah. was more of uh, learn how to be. Right. And and then like her period just got back to a state that is very much aligned every month. She used to have like her period every six months. Oh, wow. And now she has them every month. It's not pain- painful. It's just perfect, you know? And it wasn't because she wasn't eating well. It wasn't because, you know, she was doing all the wrong things and it was all like rooted in a, a big trauma that she she went through yeah, when she was yeah. younger. And that's what I love about Ayurveda because it's going to take that in account, you right. know, and you do like um, the questionnaire at the beginning of a, a Ayurvedic um, consultation, you, you go deep into those stuff too, you know, what's, what's your relationship with spirituality? What's your relationship? Not even what you're eating, but what's your relationship with food? Yeah. What's what's your relationship with your mother? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you know, I have always had, um, a problem with my weight and food and different things like that. And, um, so that's one of the reasons I got involved in, you know, health coaching and life 
life coaching and hypnosis yeah. and everything was to help me. And yes. the the thing that's interesting is that I, at some point in my life, and I don't know if it's because let's, I don't know if you've ever done this because you're that perfect parent, but and I'll put <laughs> that in air quotes for you, <laughs> for those that can't see this. Um, but I remember so many times, you know, your kid falls down and you say, oh, it's going to be all right here. Have a cookie. Um, you mm. know, um, just have this lollipop. And, you know, you go to the, especially when my kids were little, they were always, you know, give them a suck or give them a lollipop, even going to the frigging dentist. And I'm thinking you're cleaning their teeth, you're trying to make them <laughs> their teeth healthy and you're giving them a sucker. But anyway, um, I'm sure that that played into the fact that I looked yeah. for comfort with food. And um, so it's, um, you know, something that has gone on. And I've even found, you know, at times in my life that, I was looking for distraction with food. You know, if I was doing something that felt a little bit too difficult or yeah. just beyond my grasp, it was like, hmm, I think I need to go eat something. And I would just yeah. not hungry or anything. And so what I've been doing for myself is um, getting in tune with my body more so that I know when I'm hungry, I know when I'm thirsty, I know what my body's asking for. And so- Sometimes, you know, it's like realizing that just because the clock chimes 12 doesn't mean you're supposed to eat now, yes. you know, wh what is your body telling you? And I think that's, a, um, and I think I, some of my, my abilities of, of that knowledge, not only comes from some of the schooling I've done, but some of the Ayurvedic practices that I've adopted and, yeah. and learned about, you know, because, um, it is, um, primarily what it's doing in my opinion and i think from what you said it is is that it's it's helping you to to center in and see who you are and what's yep. going on and what you need to do to fix it or to not fix it because that implies that you're wrong but um to alleviate transform yeah transform that's a good word thank you yeah to just yes, transform to tr it transform what's going on with your body and um you know the um, like you had said that about the cancer, you know, there's such a, um, so many books that I've read that, you know, will link to, you know, how you are imbalanced in your body and what you're eating and how you're feeling is more, you know, um, because let's face it, you can eat the healthiest food on the planet. And if you're doing it under stress and anxiety, yes. your body's not using it right. Exactly. Yeah. My teachers always told me, uh, you're better to eat. You're, it's best if you eat a freaking burger and enjoy it than a salad and like hate it. it. Yes. You know, like <laughs> go eat your burger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's going to be like, you're going to digest it well, you know, mm -hmm. better than uh, what you're going to digest the salad that you ate and you're just like disgusted by it, you know? Yeah. I remember there was a motivational speaker I heard years ago and I don't remember who it was. And he said that he decided years ago he wasn't going to eat cottage cheese because, and somebody said, why not? And he said, because only fat people seem to eat it. Um, everybody he saw was at cottage cheese and uh fruit or cottage cheese you know <laughs> and I thought that was a really really profound thing because you know whatever somebody says you know this is the magic like I remember at one point there was a cabbage soup diet and oh, yeah. you know so there's all these things that some person comes up with and says hey if you do this you'll lose weight and everybody goes okay well, let me do well. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what I love about Ayurveda it's not 
a diet. It's a lifestyle. It's It's a a lifestyle. lifestyle. Yeah. You got to be like in tune with your body, in tune with nature, in tune with like what's seasonal right now, you know? Yes, that's really, really big. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not perfect either in that realm. I mean, like we have children, the food costs a lot and like I, I'm not I'm not perfect, but I really enjoy eating better and what I love most is very much m- like more in tune with mental health and like how this affects uh, mm-hmm. our bodies because I feel whatever you eat in the right state of mind it's gonna digest you know and everything you eat in uh the the wrong <laughs> you know the wrong state <laughs> yeah. of mind um the negative state of mind maybe yes yeah, you know yeah. like when you're beating up yourself while you eat or mm-hmm. feeling distracted like eating like in front of a screen or even sometimes when we eat in families like in, in a family setting and everybody's speaking you know and you're eating and you're all stressed yeah. out because like everybody's like interacting around you and yeah it's not like so you stresses your you stress your own body while you're eating you know and then after that you're like oh i'm full or because you didn't listen to your own body while you were eating you know mm-hmm. they say in ayurveda they say you when you, you if you stop eating after after the first burp if you're in tune with your body you'll you'll notice that burp all right mm-hmm. and i bet you will after i'm, I'm saying that <laughs> after this <laughs> All right. So if you so that's your challenge, everybody. Notice your burp. Exactly. Yeah. And if if you stop after the first one, you're like a yogi. If you you're stopping it after the second burp, then you're like uh, an Epicurean. Like you like having fun, no matter yeah, you know whatever Mm -hmm. happens. And if you stop after the third one, then you're you're masochist because <laughs> you're going to hurt your body because you're going to eat too much. And yeah. so just it's it's the simplest practice. You sit with your meal, you listen to your body. And when the first burp comes, ask yourself, am I really still hungry? Even mm-hmm. though my plate isn't finished, even though like whatever, you know? Yeah. Am I still hungry? If you are honestly answering yes, go on until the second one. No trouble, but watch out. (laughs) And you've probably heard of this study before, but I'm just going to share this real quick because what you said just really um, hit me because, and this is something I tell some of my clients. Um, There was a study and I think it was at um, uh, Yale, but I'm not sure. Um, to be honest with you, I'll see if I can find it. Um, cause it, I have so many books, I've read so many things and I have all this knowledge in here and sometimes it pops out and all the information of where it came from is not there. I'll just I share know. that. <laughs> but anyway, there was this, this study that was done where they took these, um, this group of people and they took them into this room and they had food on their plates and they gave them the plates and they told them to eat till they were full. And so they all did. And almost every one of them cleaned their plate. Well, then they brought them back in another time and they were told, and the circumstances were the same. It's the same time of day. They told them, you know, not to eat prior to coming in. So all the the parameters were the same. Um, But this time they blindfolded them before they let them eat and nobody cleaned their plate because they were not being triggered by the food that was there that they were leaving on the table. 
And um, so I thought that was amazing because I remember as a kid and I've, I've seen it on TV and stuff too, you know, where they say, clean your plate, they're starving children and wherever, you oh. know? Um, and, you know, and, and so it's really interesting that the study shows that, you know, if we're not looking at our food, we are in tune to our bodies a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had think you heard that study before? I haven't, but I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah. the conditioning of mm-hmm. cleaning your plate, it's such a big one, right? Yeah. Like if everyone has been through that. My parents told me the same thing. People yeah. in Africa aren't eating. Yeah. And when you, you know. think about it, and I know, um, like I said, food has been one of my uh, my poisons of choice. Um, yes. But there's been so many times that I would know I was full, but I could see that this dish that I love was still some on my plate. And it was like, I just couldn't walk away because it's so good. Um, So, you know, it's when you take away the visual, you don't know how much is there and you become satisfied so much easier. So, um, of course, I know we can't sit and eat our food, you know, blindfolded. I mean, we could, but it would be kind of weird. So it's I I think it's just using some of your your tools and being more aware of your body and slowing down and listening. Yes, it's so simple. It's it's complex. I'm not going to say it's easy. Yeah, but it's simple. Yeah, it is simple. And the, the more the more simple it is. I, I know I, it's just the more accessible it is. Yeah. And so, but it, there's also the saying that the easier something is to do, the easier it is not to do. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's just, it's just, it's a, it's ev- all, it's all a choice. Yes. Everything is part of the deconditioning of what we were brought into, you know, mm-hmm. and all that stuff that our parents told us that we didn't know weren't like they, they, they weren't trying to do us harm. They weren't right. like bad they were, people. They were telling they were the same story. As well, you know? yes, yeah. yes, yes. They were just like playing their part, you know. But I think I think it's either we stay in that state or we choose to evolve. And for me, I chose to evolve and I'm choosing that every day. And mm-hmm. every day, every experience I'm going through is an opportunity to be stepping into my the better version of myself you know it's it's always growing as I'm growing the better version of myself is growing as well you know and so we're always like you know in a relationship together and Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's just going through those those little things it's so easy you know to stop eating after the first burp like what a big commitment you know but Mm -hmm. like I remember I did that class like four years ago and I remember starting to do that and teaching my kids to do that. And they were like, oh man, I'm eating way too much, you know? Like, yeah. And then like by eating that after, after the meal, they are like, we are all more energized. It's so right. simple, but like when you eat too much, you feel full, you feel heavy, you know? Mm-hmm. You feel or, like, and if you eat the wrong things too, right? Um, yeah. you know, because and the, it's kind of like one of those things. It's like a, it, one thing creates another, like this little domino effect of you overindulge one day and, you know, and then suddenly it's like the next day you start having a craving for one of these things. And then you have another craving and it, it's like, it just 
um, it just grows and grows and it's, um, and not to say there's anything wrong with us, you know, it's just that we need to, or it, we, it would benefit us if we could get more in tune and pay attention. And uh, so that's one of the things that I'm doing right now with having just started putting some meat into my diet, you know, I can see some days that that doesn't serve me and it feels like heavy, heavy, you know? Um, and then sometimes it's like, I feel like it, it's just perfect. So I'm trying to, to figure out that balance and, and, and doing that. And, um, and I really became vegan. Um, I was reading some books about health and I became vegan after I read diet for a new America, which was by John. I don't know. I hate this. I don't remember. (laughs) I'm sure the book is over there somewhere, Uh, (laughs) but it's diet for a new America. But that not only made me think about the whole food plant-based diet, but it was a lot about um, the food industry and how how horrible it is for these animals and all these different things. And so I really didn't know if I would ever, ever be able to eat meat again. Um, And it was like, as long as I'm doing it ethically sourced, I feel better about it um, because that's the kind of the natural um, selection thing, you know, Um, but I do feel like I want to stay more plant-based than I do meat-based, you know, so but that's just yeah. what works for me, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing that I love, love, love about Ayurveda. It's like, it's such an individual, like, it's not like, because you have this imbalance, you have to eat that. Like, like sometimes I will have a, a like a caffeic imbalance. And when I try to put ginger on my plate, it's just going to fire me up too much and then it's it's not going to be balancing you know but some people for some people it will work mm-hmm. it's yeah. like we're all different and so I'm exactly like you if I want to eat meat that one day I will go for it but if I'm not in need of it I'm not going to force myself right doing right. it you know yeah and yeah. like I've been I've been vegan as well and I've been keto and I've I've tried all those yeah. things haven't you we know? all <laughs> Right. And then when I found Ayurveda, it was like, it was more freeing, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's just you eat what's in season, you eat what is whole, like they say, if you can't pronounce it, don't Don't eat eat it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's (laughs) me. And you know, when I first started this health kind of journey too, um, I would go into the store and I would look at the ingredient list and I would look it up, you know, I would Google it. What is that? Oh my gosh, I don't want that. (laughs) Um, And now there's an app that you can do. I think it's called Yucca. Um, You can, you can do this app, you know, and you can just scan your little, your, whatever it is. And it'll say, you know, this is not healthy, but here's some healthy alternatives and everything. So I love this app. I mean, I love it. That's nice. Yeah. (laughs) That's nice. All right. So, um, what is one thing that um, you would like to tell all the listeners that you think might be beneficial to them? Just thinking about your whole story, because, you know, you haven't, and it hasn't been easy. You know, you've had a lot of trials and tribulations and things that you've had to learn on this process to get to be this um, amazing human that you are right now. Um, and like I say in my intro, it's our mosaic life. So all these things have created who you are. And so 
I'm not asking if you would change any of those things, because if you're like me, even though some of them were very traumatic, I wouldn't change a thing. But what kind of thing can you tell our listeners if they may be going through that dark night of the soul kind of thing, and they're hoping to get to this place of um, being better and whole and feeling like they are worthy of living and all that stuff? Is there something that you could maybe give them to yeah. help them in that? I mean, I know it's a big, big dish to to be asking you to <clears throat> to no, fill up <laughs> but I mean for someone that is like going through a dark night of the soul I would say buckle up <laughs> it's not over <laughs> yeah and you're gonna face many fears many 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 fears but don't give up don't give up because what you're gonna experience after a while it's gonna be so much more awesome <laughs> yeah yeah but it's it's freaky you know but just by bringing more awareness in your everyday that's that's my my most efficient tool to bring mm -hmm. more awareness it's it's even more than meditating I mean I love meditating it's awesome I love to sit on my caution every day but it's more of being aware of those little trigger, you know, like those little things that are triggering you, that's where you have to go mm. to, to, to just like to go over, you yeah. know, you got to go through it to go over it. Right. But all those little things, that's where the gold is. Right. That's where the gold is. You mm -hmm. know, that's how we heal. That's like every Every experience is an opportunity to learn more and to face yourself and to go through those things so you can come the other way, the other, yeah, on the other side and just be like a better, better version of yourself. And yeah, that's the so, goal, right? Right. And that's the visual that came to me when you were explaining all that was like if you were um, in the water and you know, you, you, it's murky and you can't see, and you're just swimming and swimming and swimming. And all of a sudden you see this light up there and it would be so easy to stop swimming because you're tired, yes. you know, and everything, but you know that it's right there. And so you keep going. And, and I will say there have been times when some of my journey of, of self-discovering and everything where I felt like I was drowning, you know? Yeah. And, um, and not to tell people that it, it's so painful that they don't want to do anything, but that mm -hmm. is what keeps a lot of people staying in their old, unproductive, unloved lives, because yeah. that is the easier way in the short term. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, but it's having the courage to say, I want a I want something different and being yeah. able to go through the journey to get you there. Yeah, and I I love when they say that courage is not the absence of fear but just being there for the fear and just mm -hmm. pushing through it because yeah, yeah it's going to be uncomfortable. Of course it is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like if you stay in your little comfort all the time, you're just going to stay in your comfort. Yeah. There's nothing well, that's like, going to move. There's so many things that are not easy to do, like learning to tie your shoes when you're a kid, but nobody said, right? well, you don't have to tie your shoes, bud. You know, 
You don't have to learn yeah. it, you know, just let, don't worry about it. I'll tie your shoes for the rest of your life, you know, <laughs> um, and driving a car. Let's, let's face it. You know, the first time we got in a car, it was like, check this, check this, check that, check that. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, I can't see over here and behind <laughs> me and, you know, and it was very scary yeah. um, no matter how much you did schooling or anything about it. But it was like, and I bet if you're, if you been driving for a little while, you get in the car, you crank it up, you look at your mirrors and everything's going. Half the time you get where you're going, you don't even remember how you got there. Right. Exactly. Um, because when you when you go through these processes that are uncomfortable over time, they become more comfortable. But yes. you know, when it comes to the personal development, you're never done. You're never. Never done. But you get to get where it's like, instead of being in the in the murky waters, you're, you know, you're in the sunlight, but there's another sunlight thing up here that would be better. And you're going to go for that. So it's not like you, you might dip back into the murky waters every now and then, but you know, it's a, it's a process that you can go through. And, and um, um, if you would tell people how they can um, reach out to you, if they want to help with, uh, with you, cause you help people with Ayurveda and then you do some coaching on, I, I call it like spiritual life coaching. Like, okay. I, like, I mean, because I wasn't satisfied with life coaching because people want to have like super effective uh, advice from a mm -hmm. life coach. And I'm more about like empowering people, but you have to take the step to through your spiritual life because it's not all about your psyche not just about your body it's like the whole thing you know mm -hmm. and that's why I, I i put spiritual life coach because that's okay that's the way i see works better if i just like if i just do ayurvedic uh treatment on the body like you're gonna come back to me like a couple months like down the road because it's not working anymore right you right. have to do the whole thing like that's that's my people they are wanting to do the whole thing right they're not just want to address this one thing because they're not going to come to me they're it's going to be too much for them <laughs> right right because i'm well, going to point everything out because i see it i just see yeah, it yeah yeah well it's like when somebody comes to me to lose weight it's yeah. like well you know that may be what your ultimate goal is but we're going to have to dive a little deeper because yeah. if that's all you want this isn't going to work yeah. um you know so yeah so tell people um, how they can get in touch with you. And um, if they're interested in talking to you about um, some of the stuff that you do. Yeah. So, well, people can go on my Facebook messenger um, on my website. There's my email and you can reach out to me on there. Well, tell um, them what it is because on some oh, yeah. of the platforms, it's not written down, but some of them it is. Yeah. Well, I don't have like the, um, um it's, did you it's did you put Marigold. it on your thing yeah th i think i did but it's no i don't see it um well i'm gonna send it to you but it's okay. since it's a wix sit and i as a wix site and i i didn't pay for my own like domain stuff so it's like marigold uh dot com slash wix site for oh, you gotcha. know it's, it's like, so why uh, don't you tell them how to spell your name the for yeah. however it is on facebook and then hopefully yeah. most people can at least reach out on facebook but yeah, um, on facebook and i've got my my website is listed on my facebook anyway so okay. it's m a 
M-A-R-I-G-O-L-E-R-A, Marigold Era. Okay. Because I will say when I first wrote your your name down in my um in my calendar, it was Marigold. For some reason, it sounded like that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah, so well, I've sent when I sent you your email, it was like, that came back. Why did it come back? So then I went back and looked and oh, I added a D in there. I didn't need that. <laughs> Marigold is a flower and yeah. I'm not. <laughs> you are a flower. I You're am, just not I'm in the not. yard. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a tremendous pleasure. And when I share this out on the other platforms and everything, I will, if there's a place where I can put in that information, I will. So you can send that to me and I can make yes. sure it's out there. But um, cool. um, I, I feel such a great connection with you and I can't wait to uh, maybe have you on as a guest again, where you can yeah, go sure. into deeper and in some of this stuff, because we have gone a little longer than <laughs> that's all right it happens all the time yes I know it does with me too so I got to figure this thing out but uh <laughs> but let me um stop the recording here so thank you everybody for listening and um keep coming back because I'll be doing these every week